0: Kenny Jones. I-, I wanted to ask first off: Is Kenny Dalglish the best player Liverpool have ever had?
1: Well, it depends who you ask. I'm, um, I'm only 26 myself, so I didn't get to see him play. But if you ask my dad, which you might guess why I've got the middle name Kenny, because uh, of him, he definitely say Kenny. I think for me, the person I've seen would be Steven Gerrard. I think. One-off talent, you know. If you have one game or one chance, I think it'd have to be Luis Suarez. But maybe on about his point of view, from looking at him um, historical wise, I'll give him, um, I'll give Billy Little a shout as well because everyone I've spoken to who's seen all three of the main people play there, Gerard, Darie, and Little, they all pick Billy. So I feel like you've got to you've got to back the people who've seen all today. So not just because I've written a book about him. <laughs>
0: Which is primarily what we're, we're here to talk about. We are in the middle of Scouse Fortnight Now, I've got six shows with Liverpool or Everton writers. I've already spoken to Jeff Goulding and Kieran Smith, whose book, The Untouchables, is being joined on the shelves just in time for Hanukkah, uh, which is quite early this year, um, by Billy Little at 100, which is a timely look at... The man who um, was... the Well, here's the first line of his obituary, which you probably can tell me by heart. Liverpool Raider. This is uh, Brian Glanville's obituary, uh, published in July 2001 in The Guardian. Billy Little, who has died aged 79 after suffering from Alzheimer's disease, was so esteemed at Liverpool that the team was nicknamed...
1: Littlepool,
0: Littlepool. He was almost too good oh. to be true, the perfect sportsman, fast hard but impeccably fair, a convinced Christian, a diligent worker with boys clubs, a wartime bomber command pilot officer and pathfinder, and a teetotaler who when he beat Liverpool's appearance record held by Elijah oh, Scott, he was presented into amongst other things with a cocktail cabinet. Ha ha ha. Bants. So yes, we, we talked about Elisha Scott with Jeff and Kieran because this era of yeah. Liverpool uh, football at Liverpool did not begin with the bastion of invincibility in 1959, uh, because at that time Liverpool were not a top division team. I know, scarcely believable. So um, when you when you first loved Liverpool, was it quite a shock to realise that Liverpool hadn't been in the first division? Yeah, well, yeah,
1: probably. I think. It's just not what you think about, see has always go back to my dad and predates him and you know, he was born in fifty seven when they were probably, you know, at the at the worst, trying to find a way out. Yeah, you just you just don't comprehend it. You know, the team obviously when I was growing up we've won four European Cups and, you know, they the unbelievable team, you can't fathom that they'd be, you know, mid mid table, never mind, mid table of the second division.
0: It was almost shocking to look at Liverpool in the nineteen fifties getting relegated. It was Uh, The only comparison I have is Man United spending one season in the second tier and having the biggest attendances in the whole country because in the 70s, United, it was a hoolie time, but also um, it was a fun trip to Old Trafford. Um, But we'll try not to mention them. Uh, You will be going up with your book, Billy Little at 100, against the De Silva Twins. Uh, um, autobiography yeah. and i only mentioned twins because um billy little had them he has survived yeah. with a wife and twin sons have you spoken to either of them
1: yeah both of them yeah unfortunately they're not in great health but they were both you no know, more than happy to speak well, obviously as you said his wife's still alive as well but she wasn't well enough to speak to me unfortunately but yeah i've spoken to both of his sons and give a lot of time up. they were really like unassuming of how great Billy was to, one of them said to me I don't really understand why someone's writing a book about him you know he died so long ago and he only played in the second division mainly I thought like, well I had to try and try to ease him out of that one but I think for them yeah just to as you say to, to have a dad like really little I think it's a lot of pressure you know, I, I try and compare them as much as I can to Stephen Jeddah because I think the gulf between first and second division wasn't you know what it is today. I think for for Gerard, obviously he won a lot of stuff for Liverpool. But for him, he he easily could have gone enjoying you know the best teams in Europe. And it's the same with Billy. He could have gone anywhere he wanted. And I think with Gerard some got going to find that no matter what he does, the first goal he scores in the park and the first you know the first pass he makes at Liverpool training, which I'm sure they'll go through at least once, it's going to be overanalyzed. I think Billy's kids were the same. You know, for them, they had a lot of pressure that their dad was the man, he was Liverpool, and I think they felt a bit maybe put off football cause he, because his legacy was so big and just couldn't really live
0: up to it. I'm trying to think of comparable players. Lucas Zidane is a goalkeeper. Darren Ferguson played for Man United. His dad did play for Scotland, um, although he was younger than Billy Little. Uh, Liverpool at the time, uh, Billy was an inside forward?
1: Uh, more outside left, but he, he had play. Anywhere across the front, you know, far as it was then, yeah. That's, a very, that's
0: the very. That's interesting. Very modern way. Playing, yeah, the front. exactly.
1: Yeah, you look at the likes of Salah and, and Mane today, obviously from the current team. I think it's all about numbers and statistics today, isn't it? I think with him, you know, his goals are massive, Billy. But for. In, his assists were really tracked, so I think if you can ever actually, you know, if anyone could go back in time, because obviously Rustin wasn't even recorded, I think if he got his, his goal contributions as to know what the call yes. he'd be right up there with anyone, definitely, because as I say, he was just so influential from the wing, never mind the goals he was scoring.
0: Why don't they just call it fantasy league points? I mean, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about fantasy football. But it brings people together, like Liverpool Football Club. To go back to Brian Glanville's obituary, Little was a winger in the old raiding tradition of pace, power and incisiveness. A left winger of choice who could play just as well on on the right and eventually became a successful centre forward. Yeah, he was top scorer for many years in that second division team. Uh, But he came into being at Liverpool at the end of the 1930s. In about a minute or so, can you take us up to the war? Yeah,
1: definitely Well, obviously he was he was a young aspiring player in Scotland and it was thanks to the Liverpool player at the time who just left Man City Matt Busby who managed to to tip off Liverpool that City couldn't convince Lidl's parents to get him to come along and they managed to send a scout down and they liked him and signed him obviously it was 1938 that Liverpool got him which obviously was, wasn't long before Second World War started so he was only 16-17 when he came to Liverpool and he, he wasn't really in with a chance of getting the first team but for him he was getting really close and as the war started you know he didn't directly go straight into the war he had he had a good year or a good few months before he joined the war effort so he was, he was knocking on the door definitely and, and the first friendly after the war had started he was in the team and he got a lot of experience, basically, because a lot of the bigger players left for the war. He rolled on him, and he managed to bed himself into a squad that meant that when the war ended, he was a real part of the squad.
0: and I, I Thank you for that. Now, I know Elisha Scott was Irish. Were there many Scots playing for Liverpool in the 1930s, apart from Busby?
1: Well, yet yeah, there was there was quite a few. In his, um, his wartime friendlies, he, he was playing I think, alongside two or three. There's a the fact that I got up in the book that obviously there wasn't many who... Had an international career, you know, at, at Liverpool. There was, I think, I managed, there was eleven people across the whole Ooh. entirety of his career from thirty-eight to sixty-one that represented their nation whilst they were playing for Liverpool. Obviously, he played alongside Matt Busby and, and Willie Fagan during wartime internationals. But you know, had some touch on the book as well. Wartime football doesn't count apparently, but I won't go into that yet. But yeah, he's he, he managed to play alongside some Scots and. I think he really inspired the future generation as well because they could see, you know, if I can't play in Scotland, can't play for the big two. You know, who's the next big player? And Billy was definitely one of them, and a good reason why you know people like you know say Tommy Younger and other Scots came and joined the club
0: later on. There's a huge Scottish tradition, and I'm so glad it's been taken up by the man we must call Robbo, who um, <laughs> was it? Something like three seasons without uh, missing a game. We're talking like two days after he did miss a game for Liverpool. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, he was. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how long it was, but I know definitely he was. He was the only outfield player. I think last year, well, the only player last year. I think he played every league game, wasn't he? So, it's that tenacity and that work effort that you know Billy definitely had, and a lot of the the great Scots also displayed.
0: Do you think that the reason that Robbo ruffled Messi's hair was for the cover of his book? Because surely he's the greatest <laughs> Scottish player of his era. Andy Robertson is a wee lad who who just worked really, 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 really hard well that's it it was, that, it was that City game wasn't it the day that we went to Kiev
1: not in the Champions League in the league when he just kept running and running from left back all the way to right wing and, and you watch it wasn't even a free kick that definitely even a free kick but I was there I remember standing on the cot there, and the the, the the ground absolutely erupted because like, it was four people he pressed and every time he got louder and louder and you think a bit similar to the man who took his place at the weekend Simicast you know the fans love it when someone works really hard and, and just put you. Feels like they're a fan on the pitch, but obviously a lot better. Yeah, and I think that's why they really
0: talk to him so much. And the standard these days are so high with Liverpool, and you've got Curtis Jones coming through. Um, who, Ginny? Who? Um, there's, <laughs> there's so much talent going on Liverpool. I'm writing this book about the FA Youth Cup. Liverpool won it a couple of seasons ago. Ran a, were runners up last year too. I think a scarily good Villa side. Um, were you? Were you interested in both those runs? And obviously Liverpool have won the Youth Cup four times this century. So have you followed that? Well, I remember
1: seeing... Uh, it was, I'm not sure if it's like this century. Would that be with, uh, him, with Jay Spear in one? Or was that before? Yeah, yeah no, I'm
0: that, that was 2006, 2006, 2007.
1: <laughs> that was Jay Spear in yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I remember watching that one. I, remember, I, think I, I think I went to that one. It was downfield. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the one where Gerrard's cousin wanted to go there. Scored against City in the pen shootouts. I remember watching that one. I don't think I don't think I watched myself last year's one, but I know obviously it was the, a lot of that fellow squad who <laughs> Liverpool got the, the fortune of drawing against. Basically, didn't they in the in the League Cup last year it was the FA Cup last year when they managed to put them aside. But I it, yeah, the, the big tournament. Obviously, there's that one when they had Fowler, Carragher, Owen all in that squad. It was him. That's a bit of a legendary team Yeah, David Thompson.
0: Don't forget David Thompson. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah.
0: Who was was the captain. Completely forgot. I'd love to talk to him, actually. um, That Liverpool side is an example of how, do you know between 1960 and 2001, only one side regained the um, FA Youth Cup, and that was Crystal Palace in the late 70s. So the, the youth level, before all the money came in, Made it very interesting. I'm desperately trying to remember Gerard's cousin's name. He left Man City. He then uh, went to Fiorentina. Bobby Duncan. That's the one, it? Mean. Bobby, Bobby Duncan. Duncan. Bobby Duncan. Yeah. Where is he now?
1: I think he just left Derby, didn't he? I think he's after more first-team football that he's not getting. <laughs> it's a parable. Well, I
0: think whoever he's had as his, uh, his agent let him down, hasn't he, really? But... Yeah. yeah. Whereas Billy yeah, Little, of course, didn't have an agent.
1: No, but he, could, he could have been his own. He, still, obviously, he was an accountant and he was very intelligent and well versed with money. So, not that he had much football money to count, but he definitely, um, if he was at the Mega Books today, he would have been able to sort out enough people's books. So, I spoke to Jamie Carrigan, who was um, was kind enough to give me a foreword for the book. And he was saying, you know, even if he didn't make it as a footballer today, which he surely would have, he definitely would have made enough money from his accountancy and being able to help everyone else out with the books.
0: That's brill. Uh, and you tell this story. I, I don't want to press over too much because you have been plugging this book, Billy Little at 100, quite heavily because Liverpool fans, they like to talk. Don't know why, but I think it's in the genes. Uh, but you spoke to the Liverpool Connection, which was a really good show, a really enjoyable chat. Uh, Bruce Grobelaar has been on the recent one. So you and Grobelaar uh, are one degree of separation. I've Obviously, Grobelaar is before your time.
1: Yeah, but yeah, not 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 bad. Yeah. Not bad people to follow. Like, Alan Kennedy was a couple of me uh-huh. as well, so not too bad. Yeah, I'll
0: take that. It's great. The history is great, but yes, you were talking about um, uh, various things on this show. You say you've been to most home games since two thousand and ten, so you're a true. Yeah, no, I'll, red. I'll say
1: I'll say every. To be fair, I, the only one I the only one I missed was the Cal and then. And that was because I just couldn't get a ticket because it was I was still like getting me credit, up, But since then, other than the lockdowns, I haven't missed any. So, so I've it's been, your been lucky enough so
0: because know. of you, Liverpool are unbeaten at home in the league with fans there <laughs> asterisk for about four years.
1: Yeah, that's it. See, Van Dijk hasn't lost in however no, longer, and I haven't lost with them. So that, that's.
0: I yes, that's true. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Um, you did mention that your girlfriend is a toffee, which is fine. That's fine. Yeah, it's it's fine. all right. Yeah. Um, um, but I think, I think you like that. I, I heard a definition about a relationship, which is that someone has to have completely separate interests. So I have no interest in my partner's love of Korean drama and Pokemon. And she has next to no interest... In actually, I tried to convince her to come to Watford with me, which is because I live very close to Vicarage Road. Watford playing tonight, the 24th of August, Crystal Palace in the Cup, uh, and you can tell Watford are less good than Liverpool because Liverpool don't have to play in the second round because they qualified for Europe. But yeah, you said you were at the, the famous game, Liverpool 4, Barcelona nil. Does it still feel yeah. credible two years on? Oh, definitely, yeah. I think you, you get weighed down and bogged down in football. I think,
1: obviously, we were spoiled with kiev and the year after madrid and my my bank account was spoiled by it yes um, i think i was trying to explain to some of my friends who maybe don't like it as much or get it as much and my girlfriend you know it's a it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that came around two years in a row it was just (laughs) this that type of thing you know you just it doesn't matter what comes before or after you've just got to enjoy those moments you know for players you can understand that first you know like what harry kane's doing now and he's know he's he's got a 15-20 year football career and he's thinking, you know what, I might not win anything with the Tottenham so I need to go somewhere else. But you know, as a fan and if you support a team as you know, lucky as I enter you team at Liverpool, you can you can hope that there will be more success to come, but you just gotta enjoy each moment because you could be two seasons away from Roy Hodgson and Milan Jovanovic playing up front or whatever. So mm-hmm. just I think it's definitely credible look back at it and you know Every time I think of that, Wayne second goal, just I get goosebumps thinking about it. Every yeah. time, it's just unbelievable.
0: I remember someone, their Twitter feed um, description was still getting over Fabio Aurelio. For God's sake, <laughs> Watford have a whole team of Fabio Aurelio. Some years should be bloody lucky. But yeah, um, we'll talk in the second half about Liverpool literature, of which, incredibly, you you add your book to the shelves of the football library with shelf upon shelf of Liverpool books. Jamie Carragher has written two, a memoir and a book that's now out in paperback called The Greatest Games. Have you read it? If so, isn't it great?
1: I've, I haven't read all of it. I've read bits, but I from his, his podcast as well. I, I got it from my dad for
0: Christmas. So, well, I don't know, it was his birthday, sorry, so I'm waiting for him to pass on to me. Good, but, very smart.
1: But, um, yeah, obviously bits and, yeah, obviously just... It's great listening to obviously on his podcast as well. It's just great listening to a player's insight from it. Obviously now he's not just a player; as he's the pundit, he's a, he's a good one with The way they looked at the tactically wise and stuff like that. It's yeah, obviously some of the games he talks about. And obviously for me, the biggest interest was Istanbul. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah,
0: which is where he starts. But but also he goes back to is it the Everton Liverpool Cup Final of eighty nine or the eighty five FA Cup Final? And he's brilliant because. It is a pitch-eye view without the stats and without the nonsense. It gets inside the head, inside the, pit, uh, the tactics, and it's a game-changing book. I think that there'll be 10 or 20 of them in the next 10 years. Probably Michael Richards. Michael Richards' book of funny football matches. Audiobook <laughs> recommended. Um, Danny Murphy's been in the news this week because he disagrees with set-piece coaches. Do you think he's just jealous that he hasn't got a job as a set-piece coach? Yeah,
1: it was a bit weird how much as they was I watched it but I think he had a point and then like he got proved wrong but just seemed a bit stubborn didn't he I think he, there's definitely enough money in football now for say Klopp to oversee everything and you can have an a, a attacking coach defensive coach throwing coach set-piece coach doesn't mean that the manager loses any control I didn't really understand what his point was but yeah I think if you want a set-piece coach then as long as you score from them it's fine
0: I just read that Forest Green Rovers, who are a team lower down the football pyramid, far away from Liverpool, the kind of club Liverpool wanted to destroy thanks to the European Super League, more of that later, don't worry. Um, their, their manager was the in-possession coach for England youth, and their assistant manager was the out-of-possession coach. And we, it's now becoming more like gridiron. It's becoming like American football with the importance of set plays, and when the ball is dead, what do you do uh, indirect free kicks what's the manoeuvre what do you do at corners but you go to Anfield I'm sure you've contributed an assist to some of these goals by <laughs> sucking it into the net do you think you did that um, against Barcelona in all seriousness well,
1: yeah, yeah I genuinely think that we make an impact like you know, I said on that the podcast well I was really confident going into the game thinking that we were going to do something and more specifically Origi was going to do something I just had a real belief and I think that comes off the, you know the fact that you know, me and all the people who are much older I mean they have seen you know those games we've seen the comebacks you know the Dortmund game I remember going to when you see all the comebacks of you know, too many to list I'm sure every other fan's both hearing as all saying them but you feel like you're part of something when you're there. And, you know, that first second when Suarez had his foot on the ball ready for the kick off, and it was the worst decision they could have made, obviously, because he celebrated them against us at the new camp. And just the, the boom was deafening. And you just think, we're so up for this here. Those, the Barca players have to be scared, the Liverpool players have to be motivated. And you just think that. No, like that Real Madrid game last year, I think that it would have been a totally different result if it was a full crowd. It just that seemed like one of those nights we would have taken advantage of and it just didn't work with an empty ground, so I just I do feel like we make a difference, but maybe maybe I'm wrong, but...
0: Do you know people who went to Italy and got COVID for the Madrid game? Is that
1: right? What okay. do you mean the
0: Atletico Madrid game yeah, or the Real Madrid game?
1: The one in March, uh eighteen months ago. Oh um, no, not that I know where it went Obviously, I went there. To... I went to the, the Anfield game. But I don't know anyone who went and got it. I know a couple who went, but... Because
0: that, that was where it all changed. And uh, yeah. that locked everything down. And both Liverpool and Everton uh, just couldn't win home games in the last 18 months. And that is because you play with yeah. 12 men. Uh, people in blue, people in red. And uh, at the moment, Everton's manager is... Uh, tip my tongue. Can't remember his name. You'll, you'll know him. He's a nerd. He's a nerd from Spain who lives in the city. Um, but oh, he's a nice, he's a good bloke. He's an amazing bloke. Him and his wife, he and his wife have done amazing things for the community. He can do whatever he wants. He's the best man for the job, apart from Sam Allardyce, obviously, uh, to, to to manage Everton. And last night I noticed that West Ham, managed by ex-Man United manager David Moyes, beat Alester Team, managed by ex-Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers. I mean when you look at Brendan nowadays and you've you probably saw every home game under the Brendan reign, including the yeah, really yeah. good ones in thirteen fourteen. Um oh, yeah. you should have won the league that season. And yet because you did it under Klopp, that season is now a brief kind of journey to the the real triumph. But it felt like a, a real disaster because it was twenty five years since Hillsborough and da 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 da, da. Yeah. Yeah, well
1: they'll definitely I know i we did lose it. I always think, you know, with that season and um, the season like it was, was with, with um, City when we won it in in Kiev. You know that. Um, I don't think you can lose when you do that well. Do you know what I mean? I think someone else. You no, know, well, I think City won the last ten games that season. You know, that goes the whole We we lost to obviously the Palace games. were let us down, but mm-hmm. then we, like, we lost. We lost to Chelsea. You know, <laughs> on a bad team. Either, so. Roy
0: Hodgson's was, Crystal Palace.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. Got it, but it was, that was a bad one. I know, but I, as I know I always say one of the best games I ever went to around Anfield is when we beat City, you know, when the TVO scores. I think she said it's too easy, to ignores and brushed into the carpet. I remember that Arsenal game, we beat them 4 0, and we were, I was, we might have been 4 1, but we were 4 0 up after like 20 minutes, and we just, you know, we were blowing teams away. I remember looking at the clock and thinking, oh my god, it's been 10 minutes and we haven't scored, so, you know, kick off. Just we just went straight at them, and you got Suarez, Sturridge, Coutinho, Sterling, Gerrard. Just like what a team that was. And as you say, it just all gets forgotten because of two bad games at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, but the memories are there. Would Barcelona have meant less had Tottenham counterfactual? If Tottenham had won the Champions League in 2019, having beaten Barcelona. If Tottenham, had won, yeah. Tottenham were terrible, didn't show up, it was embarrassing.
1: definitely yeah. I think yeah, as you say, it's it's what comes after, isn't it? You know, you can those those games mean something of, if they're a stepping stone to something of else. So I think definitely it wouldn't have been as revered. Like I think the Tottenham fans now well, I like that, that night was great, but there'll be a tinge of sadness with them knowing that the next step that came after that was was losing to Liverpool. I think. Yeah, you, you need something to come after it. I think you know in a season you cannot, you can have a few good wins, but if you, you need something at the end of it to look back and go, "Oh, that, remember when that happened on the run to X, Y, Z. So I think yeah, definitely it wouldn't be as revered, but I think it, it's still bloody going to show to the renown them.
0: Liverpool is a it's a wondrous place, as Paul De noyer's book um, explains. You've lived there all your life. Which part of town are you there now?
1: So I'm from Crosby, I moved to uh, Waver Tree for uni and stuff, and now I'm living in Highton, so I've, I've got a a bit.
0: Ah, do you bump into the Barton family?
1: <laughs> no, not yet. No, uh, my girlfriend uh, lives right by the park, where um, unfortunately the Barton family were a bit well-known. But yeah, uh, no, I haven't bumped into them yet. I'm trying to bump into the Jedi family if I can.
0: Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know, I've, Stephen Jarrett's written two memoirs. Two books. And Jamie Carragher has written his memoir. And I think even Torres brought out a book because he did so well for Liverpool. The Hurricane, El Nino. Is there a player of this current squad whose memoir you would want to work on?
1: Yeah, yeah. You should say how many. (laughs) Um, I think if you rule out Klopp, because I think he'd be the best person to spend time with, I think... Van Dyke, I just love him, <laughs> but I think I think Salah's story is probably great. Cause obviously, you heard about him going on the coach and traveling. You know, he was traveling hours a day, and he was a teenager in Egypt and stuff. I think mean, you know his story would be amazing. From I think I think other fans and even us taking for granted a bit the fact you know we just think he's a great player, but you know how how highly he's thought of in Egypt. I think didn't he come third the other year and <laughs> like the run for president and he wasn't even running for is that
0: stuff right? like that that. Oh, well, yeah, e- Egypt is not, not a great democracy, Egypt.
1: Yeah, well yeah they were spoiling the ballots and putting Mo Salah on it, but no, I think
0: anyway, he's he's I the king. Started, he's yeah. not he's not an MP, he's the Egyptian king. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well I think you know that you saw what like what Drogba was like with the, the influence he had, don't know, when he was playing in yeah, the Abbey Coast and stuff. I think these
1: players for you know, countries like that, and everyone watches the Premier League, I think, to to see him, to be as good as he is. And, you know, you see he's got a mural in, in, in America, I think it's in New York and stuff, so I think yeah, he'd be a good one. If he's happy to sit down, with me, I'll have a chat with him now.
0: I really enjoyed James Milner's book, which he wrote with Ollie Kay, and it was a conversation. It was a really smart way to do a book, because James yeah. Milner's story is, I was really good at football, and then I played football, <laughs> and now I'm old. Which which isn't a book. Um, yeah. But the bants with Andy Robertson is genuine. Uh, Milner is the old man of the squad. He starts as a kind of an emergency goalkeeper nowadays. If they need him in goal, he'll come on. Uh, this, this may yeah. well be his last season. How do you replace James Milner in terms of the squad? Well, I think it's
1: Henderson. I think that's what it is. I think Henderson's done a couple of years off it, but I think that's what he does. I think he can be as versatile. He's a little bit more injury prone than James Milner, but I think he's got the same ethos as him. I think, you know, someone there who's perfectly ready to take this step. You know, I don't want him to go yet because Hendo's our captain and he's definitely more than ready to play as many games as he can. But I think, uh, I know, a natural leader in the dressing room and someone who, you know, gives 150% when they're on the pitch. I think, you know, them two are just. What the what the midfield at least and definitely the team built around.
0: And we should say this is the week that Liverpool have bid farewell to the biggest man on the pit on any pitch he goes on. Shouldn't uh, Shashiri It's a funny pronunciation. Shachiri It's not Shakiri, It's yeah. a different pronunciation. No, uh, any words? Sense. Well, what what
1: uh, what more can he do when he was called upon? You know, I think there's a lot of a lot of that, all bad opinions of him when I think are easy when they come on now when you just think the games that, you know the, the games he played and the goals he scored for him you know he scored the two there God, um, got Mourinho sacked which I think a lot of people are happy for because now they don't really rate Solskjaer but obviously we'll see um, and then he, he scored in the Derby I remember that one and we changed a lot of the squad and him and Origi again did great and then he of done the boss game you know we were out without Salah and Firmino and he, he came in and set two, two of the goals up so what more do you want from someone who, who's common but a squad player then to
0: do that. That's, this is a good place to end the first half, because um, I wanted to ask a simple question. There are so many people making money off being Liverpool fans. You've got professional Liverpool fans. I like to lambast Mr. DT and troops, uh, May their oh. lives go well. I know, Liam, Mr. DT has had a tough life. But what about the fan chatter, the fan banter would you change? What would you oh. ban?
1: The thing I hate, and I've said this before, is just that like, I look at other football teams and I just want to see you know, on Twitter or whatever what the actual fan reaction is. And every single pull tweet all it is underneath is sign someone, when are we selling this one? Pop out, FSGL, out. sign this person. I then it's United fans saying so, and then it's Chelsea fan saying, just, oh, just why can't we just you know, discuss what's going on, you have know, Shaqiri left, why can't we all go, oh yeah, remember that game he played and that goal he scored, why can't we do that other than someone having to go with someone that it just kicks off in another fight? That's what I, that's what i change become.
0: And fine, and then just in five words or fewer, this Super League and this big picture thing, it's not Liverpool, it's not the Shankly way for, for one thing, it's not even the Klopp way, so what do you think Jürgen Klopp thinks every time the Fenway Sports Group do something stupid? <laughs>
1: thank God the fans are good Properly, he's what he said you know I think they all the players and the management all saw that they were doing wrong by the, the fans especially at a time when they, all the fans were so skint and there was so little money in the world and they weren't even allowed to go I think you know it was just it was the worst time and for the worst idea we the worst of um,
0: and I never like to end it on a low so um <laughs> There are several books about Jurgen Klopp now. The comedian Laura Lex wrote, effectively, a book of love poetry. Uh, Tom Victor has done a great little book about what would Klopp do. Um, the great author Anthony Quinn uh, wrote a really good book comparing Klopp to Shanks. Um, what's your view? And you've, you've seen a lot of Liverpool managers come and go. Some Rafa, some not. Julier, um, Klopp, Rafa, who's your pick for the great heir to Shankly?
1: Well, I've seen Kenny and I think okay. if there's going to be an air to his And I think I don't want to judge Klopp till he's finished not because I think something's going to go wrong, but I think he's going to do so much more, so I don't want to define him yet and finish him off so I think, you know, you know what Kenny did, taking over from that Royal Hodgson team, steadying a ship, getting Louis Suarez, and taking me to my first you know, proper cup final, I got to see my dad and so long and coming to Wembley for the first time and Chelsea and all that, I think he he had a bumpy road, but he, he he steadied the ship and he was called upon at the worst time and I've no regrets in taking over. So I think, you know, the spirit of Shankly and being the best player and um, being one of the greatest managers we've had, and I say him for now. But I think when Clock leaves, that will that'll, answer will change.
0: Again, that's for the future. And Kenny Dalglish's autobiography is one of the most sombre books that I've read because it dealt with the disaster. And I think we'll start with the disaster in the second half.